Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Are you telling me that it's 825? Precisely. Damn. I'm late for school. You know, I have one simple request. And that is to have sharks with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. You are asking me to be rational. That is something I know I cannot do. Well, whatever it is, it's gotta get by us. Right. Go get her, Ray! This is a first episode of Get a Load of This Movie. It's a movie podcast. Well right. said. Right. Well said. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um... You guys want to go around and say our names so everyone's accustomed to who we are in case they say, don't know why, us? You should have been like, my name is Zach, and this is Get a Little of this, this Movie. So who, who else is sitting here? Who is this to my right? I'm Corey. Hey, what's up? I'm Cole. All right. So that's that's us three. And this is the first episode of our podcast, the first official one. Uh, but just a quick rundown before we just get in get into the festivities is uh, this, this podcast is... Uh, Focus on franchise movies, movie franchises. We pick a franchise, start with the first movie, and go episode by episode with each subsequent entry in that series. Uh, you know, we're going to be talking about brief history, what we feel about uh, the cast, like what happens, all that. You know, pick our, our favorite people from the movie, blah, blah, blah. You'll see, you know. Um, but we decided to start it off with uh, a trilogy, uh, the Austin Powers trilogy. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, and we've... Uh, you know, the format of this show might change as we go. We figure out what works and what doesn't. But for right now, we got sections. And the first section is called The Green Light. We really should stop this fighting. Otherwise, we'll miss the fireworks. There won't be any fireworks. And here we go. All right. So in The Green Light. This is where we kind of go over some brief history of stuff, you know, get a little bit of brief background on everything to, related to this movie. Um, so right off the bat, this is a Mike Myers movie. Really, really, not only is he in it, he's really just the one behind it and whatnot, created the character. Um, so it was released May 2nd, 1997. Uh, it grossed $67.7 million on a $16.5 million budget, but it made a lot more on the home video market, as was the costume back then. That doesn't happen as much now with streaming and whatnot. So like I was saying, yeah, Mike Myers created the character of Austin Powers and subsequently Dr. Evil, who he ended up playing, uh, you know, both roles. Um, at first, the character of Austin Powers was just uh, a member of the band Ming-T, which was uh, that Mike Myers was the lead singer of. Uh, they just played a few clubs in L.A. and other stuff, uh, made some TV appearances. And they were like, you know, 60s psychedelic band inspired, whatnot. Um, it's a lot of the characters just born out of his love for the 60s. Um, so eventually his wife told him to write a script based off the character because he was just doing it around the house or whatever too much. And she was just like, okay, just write, write a movie about him. Uh, showed it to Jay Roach, who, uh, you know, went on to direct the movie. So I actually uh, don't know many other films, but actually I do. Jay Roach movies. He did go on to direct, like, you know, the other couple Austin Powers movies. But the, the most notable one I can think of beyond that is Meet the Parents. Uh, have either of you guys seen Meet the Parents? With um, Ben Stiller and Robert De Niro? Yeah. Yeah? It's been a while. I couldn't tell yeah. you what happens or anything. I know he also did Meet I, the Fockers. There's a third one. So maybe we'll cover it, you know, one day when we're really running out of franchises to cover. We'll, he, we'll get he's to the kind of trilogy. Jay Roach in the past couple of years has transitioned to more like dramatic films. I know he directed uh, Trumbo. Mm. Brian, 
Brian Cranston's yeah. first big leap in the film after Breaking Bad, and he also directed a Bombshell. I didn't see that one, the Fox News one. Good movie, but it's very hard to watch. It's a hard watch. Mm. He also did the campaign, which is another one that we talked about, um, which is you know the Will Ferrell Zach Galifianakis movie. But one last thing I was going to say in this section is I found a quote by Daniel Craig. You know, um, James Bond, right? James, James Bond, Bond. Um, where he said that you know the serious tone of Casino Royale, which is you know a departure from you know the previous Bond styles, not campy, that campy, yeah, serious but campy. Not that like some like some of the Bond movies couldn't get serious at times, but it was it was less grounded. The more grounded yeah. approach that the, the Daniel Craig movies took uh, was a result of the Austin Powers films, because what and this is the exact quote he has here. Uh, he said, we had to destroy the myth because Mike Myers fucked us, making it impossible to do the gags of earlier Bond films, which Austin Powers satirized. Uh, so good. Like, Keep them on their feet. Yeah, good. Keep them on the toes. Once, once, Keep like, the game as in once the, once the audience got made aware of the tropes in such an obvious mm-hmm. form with Austin Powers, seeing anything like that in a Bond movie would, I don't know, it just wouldn't work quite the same way. So obviously we're all the better for it because... Uh, you know, the Daniel Craig movies are awesome. Yeah. So, obviously, we have Mike Myers front and fucking center. You know, he's Austin Powers and Dr. Evil. Yeah, he's that guy. Yeah, he, he really is that guy. That. He is that guy, pal. He, um, he, that, he <laughs> that dude. He is that dude. That dude. Uh, so, he was on SNL from 1989 to 1995. I didn't know he, he went back that far. Um, that's cool. Uh, I saw a clip of him and Dana Carvey doing a skit today. I, just I, randomly ooh, I got something I can't wait to bring up about that because I did a little research about him and Dana Carvey. So obviously Dana, him and Dana Carvey were in Wayne's World 1 and 2 together. I saw them a while ago. I remember really liking the first one. I remember thinking the second one was still funny. It had Chris Farley in it. But like those movies are good. Corey, have you seen either of the Wayne's World yeah, movies? Yeah, I've seen the I've seen the first one a lot. I like the first yeah. one. The first one's one of my favorites. Got the great Bohemian Rhapsody bit, which obviously yeah. might have been a, a little, <laughs> little bit of stunt casting for him to be in the movie Bohemian Rhapsody because of that scene. Not saying that he's a bad actor. It's, I mean, you know, Mike Myers is good. I like his little bit in, in Glorious Bastards, too. But He's great in Glorious Bastards, I will you say. You know, that. Operation Kino. Um, he was the only other movie he was in before Austin Powers, besides the Wayne Worlds movies, was an, a romantic comedy called I Married an Axe Murderer. Um, Interesting. It's where he's suspecting that the woman he is, uh, I guess, in a relationship with may or may not be an axe murderer. Um, I don't know if she is or not. I haven't watched it, uh, but I did add it to my letterbox watch list once I read the premise. Oh my gosh! I thought I was like, "Oh, this seems kind of quirky." Um, so he won it. He does. He did do dual roles uh, as Austin Powers and Doctor Evil, but he originally did not intend to do so. He originally wanted to cast Jim Carrey as Doctor Evil, and. Oh my gosh! That would not, I wouldn't have liked. No, that I don't that like been that. Way I don't like top. that. I like Jim I Carrey like in that. some some things but like he is so over the I top I think it would have just been a different type of character almost I feel like I, I don't even want to speculate on it because Jim Carrey is a type of guy who would you know make it a, a character his own exactly and yeah. I think it would just be a whole different conversation we're having because I think it would be a different type of character it probably still would have been a Blofeld uh, homage or whatever but it would have been in Jim Carrey style but the style that that uh, Mike Myers went with um, because Jim Carrey didn't do it because he had liar, liar. Apparently, Jim Carrey wanted to do it. This is all according to Wikipedia, so take it all with a grain of salt. But, you know, Jim Carrey had scheduling conflicts with liar, liar. But the the voice that Mike Myers went with was based off of Lauren Michaels, who's, you know, like the yeah. SNL fucking president or whatever. Creator. Um, creator. Creator. Executive producer. Um, Dana Carvey had introduced a um, 
impersonation of of Lauren Michaels um, that was uh, like very similar to Doctor Evil, what Doctor Evil ended up becoming. And Dana Carvey apparently was kind of had a bit of a grudge for a bit that Mike Myers copied his his impersonation for Doctor Evil and made you know this like, had all this success with it. Um, I read I watched an interview with Dana Carvey on Howard Stern. Um, where he kind of said as much, but also said this was in 2019 where this interview came out. Um, said that like he was pretty much over it, like it's whatever. Mike Myers is a great guy, and he, you know he had all their success. I'm happy for him, blah blah blah. And then they had another interview in 2022 where he pretty much also on Howard Stern where he clarified like him and Mike Myers have since completely buried whatever hatchet there might have been. That's what Will Ferrell and Adam McKay need to do. Yes, they do. They just they need to really really come do. back because honestly. You know, a lot of these terrible legacy sequels, if I heard there was Wayne's World 3 coming out, I would be like, fuck it, yeah, let's do it, let it ride. You know, because, no, like, no. what are the stakes on that? You know? I don't know. There's no stakes. They, they can just have a good time. I don't want to talk about sequels. It'll be funny. They'll throw it on streaming. It'll you, know be, what, you know what would also be a cool yeah. thing about them doing Wayne's World 3? That would make it a trilogy. means we can cover it. Oh, my gosh. Daddy made you some content, you know? Okay. Um, let's keep moving. Right. Uh, so, Cole, I wanted to ask you, of, of Mike Myers' four iconic characters... Austin Powers, Wayne, Shrek, and Guru of Love Guru, Maurice Pitka. Who is your favorite? You really had to throw Maurice Pitka in there? Come, come on, bro. Oh, oh, you guys haven't seen The Love Guru? <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> the movie that kind of derailed Mike Myers' theatrical career in 2008. Zach, Zach claims to hate this movie, but I haven't even fucking seen it. <laughs> he does love the scene where Mike Myers' head is on a child's body. And he goes, I want everyone to love me so I can love myself. I don't even know what you're talking about. I haven't seen the movie. He's he's mentioned this before. Uh, I'd say just. Just because I loved it so much growing up, and I mean Shrek. Shrek was, Shrek was the first time I was even introduced to Mike Myers, so that's kind of like, it holds a special place in my heart. Let me actually add a, on top of that, because if we're talking iconic characters, I also got to say Doctor Evil because he is both characters. Does that change your answer? No, I got I, I gotta still say Shrek. I actually had a question for you guys. Who's yeah. a more iconic character, Austin Powers or Doctor Evil? Austin Powers. I mean, uh, the, the series is called Austin Powers. I, so no, I understand, but like, I think I I don't I see people quoting and doing like the one billion. I see people yeah. doing like lines from Doctor Evil more than I see people right. doing lines from. If Austin, there's an Austin Powers Austin line Powers. I hear, I feel like people. I feel. We'll put this way. I'm basing this because I've heard it in a Jay Z song where he goes, "Oh, behave." You know, like people also. If you say, "Oh, behave," you know it's Austin Powers. Or yeah, do I make maybe, you horny? Maybe. Do I make you horny? Maybe I don't Randy, know. You know, but people don't say it. Right. I so guess you, it doesn't may, come up much. So maybe know? not. But people talk about billion dollars more. So yeah. that's why Doctor Evil line comes in your head so, more. I don't. I, I think I think it might be Doctor Evil. Yeah, no, no, it's not a bad no, not a bad answer. Would you um, say would you would you say the same thing, Shrek out of his four or I guess five if you include Doctor Evil? Probably, I think Shrek's better. Better overall. character, or better movie, or what? No, what better character. I, I think I like. Shrek I mean, more. Shrek. I I we don't have to Austin doesn't really. Oh, well, we we got a whole well, season. I'm, on Shrek. I'm, I'm, I'm so just gonna I'm just gonna say this. Austin doesn't really feel like he has much of an arc. Throughout these films, he's basically the oh, same. Well, he's got more. We got, he's we'll, the we'll talk same. about his arc as we go it, through the series. It feels like it's more, I fall in love with this girl every movie, just like James Bond she does. does. I mean, it's not hard when they introduce literally like three of the probably top ten most beautiful women on the planet during each yeah, section. But, but Shrek has more of an arc like that's spread out throughout 
yeah. four or five films. Can you imagine made. Mike Myers ending up with Beyonce in real life? I'd be mad about things. I love the movies, man. The magic of the movies. They'll, they'll get you to believe anything. Um, so Elizabeth Hurley. Uh, fucking gorgeous. Uh, and she's more than that. She's also British. Um, she's uh, authentic British, whereas Mike Myers is fake British. What's that? Um, that means that Mike Myers is not actually British. Um, so she's most known for this and her role in Bedazzled, a Brendan Fraser film as uh, the devil. Have either of you guys seen Bedazzled? No. Yes, you showed it to me when we were like 10. I probably did. I probably did. Was that one of the ones you narked on me for to your mom when I showed you a PG-13 film? No. How do you guys remember that? It was a really good... It was okay. I mean, it's Harold Ramis directed. It's got, so again, it's ever? got good bits. It's not, it's not nearly as good of a movie as Austin Powers. It's not as consistent, but there are some bits in that movie that are still so funny to me just remembering it. But yeah, it's a good Brendan Fraser movie. And the whole idea is he gets, he gets wishes it. with the devil and he makes these wishes and she always finds a way to, to twist his wish against him. I consider know? any movie I saw before the age of 12 I didn't actually see. I don't understand how you guys remember seeing a movie at 10 years old. You got Robert Wagner is number two. I don't got much career notes to say about any of these next people, but no. you know, just dude, is there anything you guys wanted to say about number two? Mm-hmm. No, nope. anything you guys want to say about he's Frau not really Farmisina? funny. Um, no. Frau is. Very I do think funny. she's hilarious. I, I, again, we, the I'm not gonna, Yeah, there, they're all they're so, all funny. Know, great. They're all funny. I'm not going to say that, but I have nothing like yeah. inspiring. To Seth say Green, Scott Evil. We already said he's uh, Chris from you know uh, Family Guy. I also knew him. The only other movie I knew him from growing up, Rat Race. You ever see that one? Yeah, yeah. Um, he was that. He, his brother was the one who had like like the tongue thing, and he couldn't really talk, right? Yeah, yeah. His brother had the tongue piercing. Yeah. Rat race isn't. I remember thinking those were the two I was rooting for of all the groups, <laughs> and my mom was always so shocked that that was who I, I sided with. Um, and then the other thing is he's you know Velma's love interest in Scooby Doo Monsters Unleashed. Yeah, yeah. that's what I. I that's what that's I know. I'm sure he's in. I didn't. I didn't look at his IMDb page or whatever. We wish we could do the James Gunn Scooby Doo trilogy, right. but sadly the third one got canceled. Right, and then we have uh, Michael York Basil Exposition. Uh, he's great. You know, he's I like uh, every, every single like I said earlier every single scene he's in. Uh, he. Um, he just makes it, you know. He it gets better. Every it, every scene gets better the second he pops into it for like the thirty seconds that he will be in that scene. And I don't think this is like a funny thing besides the scene where you he, Austin like punches his mom. There's not a scene where he doesn't smile. He he's just, in, he's just, always in a good mood. He's always like, optimistic that everything is going to go big, exactly as planned. He's like Austin, you're going to do this, and we're going to be good. <laughs> it's this big sweet smile. He's that got just, all the faith in his guy. I love. Yeah. It. There's never like Austin. Can you not do this? It's always like Austin. I'm going to send you to do this, and it's like it's going to be great, you know. And it's just it, he gets the job done. I love that relationship. Understated. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so moving on, we're just going to start talking about the movie itself now uh, in a section we call Action. Even the opening scene, there's always some random girl who gets a call that undoubtedly ends up getting her killed. It's also predictable. There's no element of surprise. You can see everything coming. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Did that surprise you? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because you talk too much. <laughs> now shut the fuck up and watch the movie. Alright, so in this section we just go through what happens in the movie and just talk about it as we go. Um, so I guess I want to ask this question first. Corey, where did you, uh, when was the last time you watched Austin Powers? How recently was it? Oh, I have no, well, before you watched it this I was going to say like podcast. two days ago. Uh, but before that, I have no idea. Can I start with something about the yeah. movie? 
Um, first five minutes in, I was pretty upset. He killed the guy with the scar on a hook. That was uh, my favorite character when we first started watching it. Well, like I was like watching, I was like, this guy, this guy's a character. This guy's great. And he's just got a hook. Was it Generalismo? They had a lot of like they had their names on like little oh I can't remember tags. And he them. just had a he just had a cigar. He's just sitting there with a hook, and I think no, he didn't have the fez. Will Ferrell had the fez, right? Oh um, yeah, <laughs> Mustafa. Yeah, and then uh, but he's just sitting there with like I will be killing you today. He's like, I just thought that was funny, and then he just gets killed immediately, and I was pretty upset about like that. Like you see that up. all but, these yeah. characters that you think might even be a big part of the film at some point, and then the expectation is completely subverted because Doctor Evil goes on this big tangent about nothing. Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, well, Doctor Evil gets angry, and when Doctor Evil gets angry, Mister Bigglesworth gets upset, and when Mister Bigglesworth gets upset, people die. So that's that's what we get illustrated in the first first minute um, here. In case you didn't know, Cole, Mr. Bigglesworth is his cat. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, After watching the movie, yeah. I didn't. Bit know hard that. to tell. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know the only man who can stop him is Austin Powers. You know, great lead-in intro. Uh, and then we get you know this hard day's night Beatles parody of all these girls chasing him like he's the biggest deal in the world. Um. You know, everyone loves him. Uh, and it's the simple fact that he has the stylization of the early Beatles, the bowl cut, the yeah. kind of flamboyant uh, suit. I mean... Well, they weren't wearing, like, flam... They were just wearing normal suits until, like, Sergeant Pepper yeah. era. But, like, yeah, early just this whole thing of everyone chasing style. him and yeah. everyone loves him. Like, oh, my God, Austin Powers. That was, that was a really fun intro. I, really I was about to say, show. that might be the best, one of the best character intros uh, in movies. And I was wondering if you guys, I mean, is there another one that jumps in your head off the bat in terms of just a perfect way to introduce the audience uh, to a character? Um, I mean, we were talking about this the other day when we were all watching it. That scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where Jack Sparrow rolls in on the sinking ship, yeah, and he says nothing. Yeah, it just takes like that this... one step off. It's perfectly timed where he takes a step off the the mast yeah. onto the dock, and like he says nothing for the entire span. But it's like the perfect introduction. But I think Austin's is better just because it's so funny. Because you're getting just this kind of vibe of who this character is in his time. He's yeah. the man. Yeah, he's in, in his, his element time. here, which, you know, it's setting up the fish out of water narrative later. Like, oh, look, everyone loves him now. He fits it doesn't right even in. seem he's like he's. Knees, you know? It doesn't even seem like he's a fish out of water later, honestly. Well, they it don't really play so... on that much. They really actually don't, which I kind of respect because sometimes those are jo- those jokes get kind of old kind of fast when things do that. Yeah, like, we get it. He's not in his element. But he was in his element. He's kind of that guy. He. He is that guy. Like, no matter the time. Yeah, he doesn't... He's not going to change who he is. Well, this is a bit, he does go through some growth later, but we'll get this there. This is a bit uh, um, further down the movie. Should we wait? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. definitely. I was going to say. Um, I had something to say, but I'll, I'll... So, you know, he gets his dance number. When Last thing I'll say about it is when he comes around the corner with that marching band, I'm, I'm completely... Not that I'm not already sold, but, you know, like... That, he's this is leading like, the band. I know. He goes around... The, they chase him. He goes around the corner, blah, blah, blah. And when, like, you know, the crowd runs past and there's the three people holding the magazine with his face on it and the first two girls put it down and then run after them and he puts down the face and it's just his face. He's right just smiling. His face, you know? Uh, yeah, he's That's great. 
Yeah. Um, so Mrs. Kensington, we meet Mrs. Kensington, his partner. Mrs. Kensington. Um, played by. Hello, Tom why don't you have Cruise. a model for me, Mrs. Kensington? Tom Cruise, no, ex-wife, Mimi <laughs> Rogers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, played by M- Mimi Rogers. Um, <clears throat> great name. Great Mimi. Name. Yeah. Not a lot of Mimis you see around these days. No, but yeah, I mean that entire sequence, and then you get the introduction of the man, the myth himself. Basil Exposition. I love Basil Exposition. Who is Basil? Pops in, pops in for a minute oh. at a time, does his lines perfectly, dips out. Yeah, the smiley guy. Every time he shows up, every time he shows up, the scene gets better. Like, in any point in the movie, he's both like the old school Q and M, like thrown into one, giving mm-hmm. Austin all these gadgets while also giving him his mission. Yeah, there's no reason to do two different characters in a movie like this. You yeah. just sum up all that operation into one character. Like pretend name, that this is actually how MI6 says it operates. better than anything. I mean, exposition. Not a lot of Basil's is that, out there either. Is that is that the uh, expectation that we think he works for MI6? I don't even. I don't think the movie wants us to care. Oh, okay. I, I was British sure. Secret Service. I think he's. Secret. They say British intelligence. British, British intelligence. intelligence. Okay. I buy it. I wasn't sure if they even acknowledged that he was like a British officer or something like that. I thought oh, yeah. he was just like super spy. <clears throat> So they go to that really cool psychedelic party, uh, you know, where he's still. They got girls dancing in cages up and there. You know? you know what? I think we should bring him back. Yeah, I mean, in that style, absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't seem disrespectful at all. It seems like they're just really into it. It's just and, a whole party environment. And they're kind of blocked off, so people can't just touch them. Right. They're yeah, high so up. They're, big, they're high up. They're in case of a fire, it might be kind of a problem. People might just run out and forget ah. that they're up there. Yeah. I mean, it. <laughs> It is that party. The funny thing about it is, it's completely out of place because Austin goes there to find Doctor Evil, and which you later learn about his character. Doctor Evil would never be in a place like this. He's a very buttoned up. Well, I don't think he would be question. down there partying. With I have them. a question. No, I think they were just trying. He just got an office. He's got I his cryogenic thing up there. That's where. That's why he's there. He's got that thing hiding up there. Yeah, he went, ah, yeah. To that. yeah. I have a question. I yes. have a question. What was the point of us not seeing Dr. Evil's face in the first part? Before um, it's, time it's a homage to the old Bond films because Blofeld, I think played there's by a full, Pleasance. The, but there's a full movie before he's played by Pleasance, right? Where like you thought it was always it, Pleasance. I didn't know there was another actor. No, there's but like there's a whole like time period where you don't see his face. He's like the man behind the curtain. It's kind of a reveal because he looks kind of silly. He's got the big scar and it's just Mike Myers. You know, I understand. I, was, I just wasn't sure if there was like a particular you know, reason. I, that we, I think that avoided seeing his face. Like Cole's saying. It's probably what Cole's saying. It's, it's just a homage. homage. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice homage. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was curious. But uh, that party does have possibly one of the funniest bits in the, man the in the dress. Movie. It's <laughs> not a man. Baby. It's clearly a woman, and then he hits the stunt double, and then they switch out the body for a woman just for him to go. That's a man, baby. And it's a good setup for a a, a bit later on where he yeah, tries to punches do it again. A <laughs> for, for the fish out of water narrative. Yeah, that a lot was. of good, a lot of good things that get set up and come back later. I mean, um, but this is also like proving the point. Austin is the man in this time. Yeah. Like, ladies love him. Everyone's trying to kill him because he's he's in the way we say now, he's that dude. Yeah, he's I have a question guy. about that. I was thinking about that. I love movies where characters are very, very competent and people love them. And you know, not saying they're necessarily perfect people, but 
maybe maybe with the exception of like a nemesis or something like everyone loves them they're great they're nice they're charming you know they're not like completely full of them they're confident but not completely full of themselves and i was thinking uh you know who what character that reminded me of is ferris bueller yeah i got big ferris bueller vibes is his dr evil you know yeah, just doesn't like how cool he is. Doesn't like the mojo, you know. But everybody loves it. Jack Skellington would be another one. Oogie Boogie is his Dr. Evil, you know. Oogie Boogie don't, don't fuck with Jack. I guess Jack, actually, it's probably more Jack don't fuck with Oogie Boogie. I always the got the vibe of, that Jack took over what Oogie Boogie did. Like that, Oh. That was always the vibe I got. That's that's a whole big theory. I'd love to dive into on our Patreon episode for Nightmare Before okay. Christmas. Okay, but uh, back to it. What were you? We're we're at the party. So he gets frozen. Oh, I was gonna say yeah, yeah he gets we're sent frozen. Up. He gets uh, sent up in space, and so you, Austin gets frozen too. Yeah, the only scene that I vividly remember is Austin peeing. Yeah, is the evacuation <laughs> like, scene. Yeah. So like yeah, in the future, nineteen ninety seven, where greed and corruption ruled again. So we're back to greed and corruption <laughs> now. I love how he starts. Finally, those capitalist pigs will pay for the crimes, eh, comrades? Yeah, I wrote yeah, that one. He goes, Russian <laughs> intelligence. Are you mad? <laughs> You know, that's a good bit. So, yeah, that's after the warm liquid goo phase, the warm liquid goo phase, and then the evacuation. Um, And, I mean, that entire scene is just bit after bit because it's like Austin waking up, them directing him to the toilet. It's like a little conveyor belt. That I, on. It was just so funny watching him. It's like, we need this man to help us. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and the two officials like, keep looking at Basil. Like, anytime he does something weird, and Basil's just like, just gives him like a nod of like, yes. Who's you see, he's <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I remember so it's because it's people frozen in the '90s. So there's Vanilla Ice, and I think it's Gary Coleman from Different Strokes is also one of. So that's the why people. we haven't seen Vanilla Ice in so long. Is why he fell off. He's been yeah, frozen. He's, he's gonna waiting. he's gonna unthaw pretty soon. I, I think. think it's about his time. Well, here actually, you know, probably because someone did the math and said. Uh, anyone, if the equivalent, the time difference in Austin Powers, if it came out today, it would be someone frozen in 1993, coming back to now. Oh my gosh, this would be a crazy time to come back. Yeah, that would uh, be so upsetting to be frozen in so 1993 upset. and then come out now. There was a everything. pandemic two years ago. That would be on the short list, or the that would be a you know. There's a lot. There's a lot. No, but um, yeah. I feel, Can I, oh, go on. Oh. Okay. Can I talk? My favorite bit from that entire time was him collecting his items with Vanessa. Probably one of the funniest uh, scenes that I completely forgot every single bit about. The Swedish penis. It wasn't even that. It wasn't even that. The best part, the absolute best part, was the male symbol medallion that he had. It was just like the male symbol. And his face, after he looks at Vanessa, it's just like. It's like it's dead. Just, it's such a like a flirty look. Like, yeah, yeah I'm a man. What does that yeah. mean to you? You know, just, does that get you going? No, just, not I'm a man. Why? Why would a male medallion? I just I I laughed. At, I had to pause it. It was so funny. It's like the first thing he says to her is like, "I bet she shags like a minx." He's like, "I hope I didn't say that out loud." Oh yeah, I wrote now. that down. My internal monologue is off. Yeah. So yeah, we meet. We get Austin the danger powers. Yeah, that we find out his middle Austin, name. And danger is my. We got a danger powers. No, danger is my middle name. And he just says it with yeah. such a serious, <laughs> a serious voice. He so also good. Gives her the flirty look at that point too. That's what I'm that, saying. Is the like the entire scene is that, him trying to get. It's funny. Can you now think about this? It's funny. It works because 
I don't think it would be funny if, put it this way, if he said that line, instead of looking at Vanessa, looked at us and winked, like kind of like winking at the audience, yeah, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't be funny, you know? And that's kind of like the equivalent of like movies, blockbuster movies. I would say Marvel, but I know that's, you know, everyone says that. So I'm trying to, either way, in general, where things are afraid to take, movies are afraid to take themselves seriously. Yeah, when they wink at you. Yeah, yeah. tongue in cheek. Austin clearly doesn't take himself seriously and this is like that's what's great about it and this movie is not making fun of uh it's fine uh this movie is not making fun of um spy movies i mean in in a way it is but like you can tell it loves spy movies and i I, as far as what i read they wanted to make that clear too when they were making it is that they're not trying to put these spy movies down they're they're having fun with it because they love them so much. Can I tell you what that reminds me of a lot? Yeah. Like I have I I didn't really know that to begin with, but um oh my gosh. What's it called? The Orophil. Uh Seth MacFarlane's like parody of Star Trek. Right. He made it out of love for Star Trek and it like <laughs> it shows so much in that show. So I just think like that's a very it was it was I, you guys don't watch Star Trek or um, no, but I, no, I'm, I'm but familiar like, enough for But you can like you could just tell when someone really likes something, or when someone has such. You an can feel for something. how much the creator loved the genre yeah. that he is parodying. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like the kind of vibe I get when I watch like a movie like Walk Hard. You can tell that there is like love in like these telling these stories of these mu- musicians, but. In that same way, John C. Riley as Dewey Cox parodies every story that there is to be parodied. Yeah. No, no, you know, I totally, yeah, you're totally right. So, yep, we meet Mrs. Kensington. Uh, they get, you get, they get his things. The the only thing I'll say about the penis larger thing is it pays off well. It really only pays off when he goes. I swear it's not my it's not my bag or whatever. And then he, the book comes out. This he sort out, he wrote a whole, thing a whole hardcover book about bag. Swedish penis enlargers. Oh, Baby. yeah. <laughs> it's just absurd. It's so stupid. It comes back they, later. They sell it so well. <laughs> I swear it's not mine. Yeah. <laughs> just, no. I'll just I'll just take it to keep, keep things moving. Yeah. Um, so we go on his jumbo jet. Uh, they hit some turbulence, and he you know, starts falling all over a little oh, bit. Oh, no. I fell. <laughs> yeah, she is not I'm having falling it. again. She makes it clear here that she no, uh, is no. never going to sleep with him, even if they were the last people on Earth. And just for the sake of procreation, she would still never sleep with him. I love that. She goes back on that so quick in terms of you know a few days or like a day, not so, even. Even that, I wanted to. We're almost there. It's just his charm. I'm not going to talk about. I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm not going to talk about. I'm just saying that's 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 the Austin Powers charm working. You know? Oh, absolutely. You yeah. know, it took it just took a while for it to sink in on her. But you know, because he's not used to the, the charm is so the charm is so crazy because we have that scene at the beginning where he's just like overtly crazy and just like showing like I'm just beloved by everyone everyone loves him. and then you're just like oh this guy is just kind of like an asshole and we see that on the plane right but mm-hmm. then later this is the point that i want to get to and i just want to i'm, I'm just gonna to skip to it because we can jump back right but he then i wrote it down um you're talking about that austin, i wrote down austin because he quotes uh or no he, he when they get drunk together when they're like yeah. drunk and they bond and he's like, oh, no, I fell. And he, like, walks up and as he's going into the bedroom. And then she's like, Austin, make love to me. And then he was like, no, this is not the right time or something like that. Because he's a nice guy. Because he, like, at the end of the day, he is smooth and he is, like, an actually, like, good guy. And I think that's 
they, they they show it well because even though he's being oh, so overt on the plane and like when he's like, do I make you horny, baby? Just yeah. like all that. Do I just, make just, you rad? Take it, take it on its own. It's such a funny and he's line. Just, he's just posing in every like crazy like way you can imagine. You can it's just call me. It's just, and then it goes from that like he's do he's putting that on because like I think that what's that's what worked for him, but he knows like. It That's, doesn't it, work. On it, her. It, it, so, like when he knows it doesn't work, he's like, "Okay, I just I, I have to do things I mean, different." And he recognizes mm-hmm. that, and he's just like, "This is a different person," and he treats people individually. And I think that's I, cool. He I treats will, people uh, with respect. And yeah. I'll talk about this later because that's also my favorite scene of character development when he's uh, in the bed and he's like, "No, this is the right time" or something yeah. like that because she's drunk. Mm-hmm. Another quote that I wanted to uh, touch on that was from that scene, and it was just like. Austin, I, I barely know you or something like that. And she's like, just tell me your story in a nutshell. And he's like, you want me to tell me what, what I'm like in a nutshell? Help, I'm in a nutshell. Let me. <laughs> I know it's such like. You use humor so, as a coping mechanism. Is that what you're saying? It was, I know yeah. it was such like a, it's like a really basic, like a dad joke almost. I know it's like almost a dad joke, but it's so like, it's endearing. It's, it's really smooth in the, yeah, but, at the end of the day too. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what he needed to say. Right, right. So now we're at D- Dr. Evil. Uh, you know, he's unfrozen now in 1997. We finally see his face. Mr. Bigglesworth lost all its hair, and that means people got to die. Mustafa, <laughs> he goes, we could not, we could not uh, anticipate uh, complications with the feline form in the unfreezing process, you know? And, I mean, that scene works so well because of Mustafa's hilarious death scene. I mean, yeah. this is early Will Ferrell. Money. Very early Will Ferrell. Uh, him getting sent to uh, down into the oven. Uh, I think you even hear him down there be like, I, there's actually an ex- escape hatch. I, I know that because I designed this system. You know, so he designed the oven that he's got, he's now baking in. Um, but yeah, then they sent a guy down there to shoot him. It's just. It, oh, it's yeah. like this the whole movie is built on bits like you know yeah. the jokes but they don't they feel organic they work really well in that sense so yeah dr evil is introducing his henchman um frau farbissena frau farbissena you know she looks she isn't the bit that oh no that's in the second one but yeah frau farbissena is uh i think she's fucking hilarious uh she's got the best scream you yeah know, whenever she like yells a command oh yeah yeah she's great um what's his son's name Scotty. Scotty. Yeah. Scotty! <laughs> yeah. We meet uh, number two. Number um, two. And we meet uh, Random. Patty, Patty O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> you, He's you trying to get the lucky trying to get my lucky charm. The, the most important henchman. The ultimate James Bond parody, Random Task. He's a parody of Odd Job, the character Odd Job, who would throw a shoe in 1965 or whatever. So it's a, it's, finger. A, it's a direct. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a direct know. reference. Now that guy, I think, who plays Ajab ended up killing someone in real life. But oh, you know, gosh. I'll have to double check that later. But if don't just be saying that on. I'm yeah, pretty confident. I'm pretty like confident. Uh, you know, and I feel like I can I can throw murder accusations out without being 100 percent sure. No big deal. Come on, man. I, you um, know what? That's probably right. You're probably fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I'm we... curious. When did Lucky Charms come out? Because would Doctor Evil know that joke? You know? Oh my gosh! You get into the. I mean, anyway, if you you look that up. This movie I would, will be broken. It won't work. It will be unrealistic. You 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 look that up. I wanted to talk about uh, when we first meet number two, and they're at the blackjack table and everything, and then he uses his eye patch to to see the next card. <laughs> so the eye patch un- is clearly and, fake. But it says on there. It says eye patch 
x-ray vision and i was just thinking i was just i saw that i was like that's for us he knows mm-hmm. what that is he doesn't need that label on there like, in case he forgot which eye patch yeah. different eye patches do different things yeah. and he chooses a different and, uh, eye patch when he I wakes mean, up that morning that, eye patch x-ray vision that, <laughs> it's just that blackjack dealer is like the ultimate 90s cameo because he the guy who plays the dealer was famously the and there wasn't really a name the soup nazi from seinfeld from seinfeld yeah what did you say he was? He was the ultimate what? Super Nazi. No, I understand. But the, it's say? like the just ultimate... the ultimate 90s cameo because oh, Seinfeld cameo. would have ended like around that time. And it was like the biggest show of the 90s, basically. Yeah. I think uh, this scene where they're at the blackjack table um, in Vegas, <laughs> it might be. I don't know. I, wanna, lot, I don't want to make a, a lot of vagina. Say, uh, <laughs> a this lot is of my vagina. favorite bit. In the movie, because I, I, it might not be. I suggest you hit. But <laughs> the one that I, the one that always pops into my head the most is the, the him getting the three in blackjack. It, it was, was a five. five. Or a five. <laughs> it was a five. And then deciding, deciding to stay. You know, because he also likes to live dangerously. And then, <laughs> and then he looks at number two when he says it, like. You see, like I'm like you, or whatever. And then he immediately loses. I don't. Yeah. They shouldn't have given him. It's just like they, uh, they shouldn't have yeah. given the dealer a twenty. They should have given the dealer like a ten or something like that. Just such a small amount where it's just like almost anything could have beaten what the dealer yeah. had. I think that would have been even funnier. But he had like a twenty, so it was like almost impossible for Austin. No, like, he had like he, no, he, he, he I remember the dealer had a twenty. It was like Austin five and dealer shows twenty. Dealer wins, and it's like yeah. Yeah. Austin was just like that. But if they would have given the dealer like Austin five uh, or whatever five, and then dealer shows a ten, that's <laughs> just like, such. It's such a great bit that. just for the point of him like the whole I like to live dangerously and not even trying to attempt <laughs> getting closer to the twenty. You know, some people say it's dangerous not to try. Yeah. And then, like Corey was saying, uh, we had the a lot of a lot of vagina, a lot of vagina, which is uh, you know a play on how some Bond girls just had you know innu- innuendo names. It was a direct homage to Pussy Galore. I mean, Pussy Pussy was her first name, right. Goldfinger, right? I don't but know that's what, it, what but do you think it was whoever, short for? Pafisa, Sandra is what yeah, I was going to say. So we well, I'm the... just gonna let you take over for this next scene because I can tell it's your favorite thing in the fucking oh, world. Yeah, Cole's been quoting this scene for like two days straight. I, he I watched mean, it. it's the the famous bathroom scene where he goes in and Tom Arnold's in there with him, and Tom Arnold's just brilliant in this scene, in my brilliant. opinion, because they go into the bathroom and good old Patty O'Brien tries to kill Austin, and. <laughs> Now, Austin doesn't say much. I believe the fra- only phrase he utters is, who is number two working for? And Tom Arnold... No, it's who does number two work for? Who does number two work for? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. But Tom Arnold comes up with like some of the best ways to just like cut through the scene. It's that... I'm the awkward guy in the bathroom. Like, How about a courtesy flush over there, pal? And Hey, just grab onto something. Bite on your lip. We're gonna get through this. <laughs> yeah, you know, in my opinion, the you know what's even funnier than that whole "Who does number two work for?" bit and the whole, whole the whole poop joke thing in that scene when he walks in and you know he's a cowboy and he's washing his hands. <laughs> he it's the like, blind guy with the door. <laughs> well, yeah, that, but, yeah, yeah, you didn't have to see anything at all, you know. But uh, no, when he goes, when Tom Arnold goes, man, that is one crazy getup you got there. Like, are you uh, you in the show? <laughs> And he's like, no, I'm actually, I'm English. And then Tom Arnold just gets so serious, like, I'm, 
Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tom so, Arnold is like that's a that's so good. This movie has so many cameos. Well, that's a '90s one for sure. Yeah, is that's. Ro- wait, was he on Roseanne or that? that's John Goodman? Can, wait, what was he on? What show was he on? Was it Roseanne? I'll look it up. Uh, Can we take a step back on a cameo really quick? My favorite cameo was John Mulaney in the club in the beginning. It was blink and you'll miss it. It was crazy. John Mulaney Mulaney was next to Austin Powers in the club in the beginning. No. No, he's not. Yes, he was. I swear to God. How old do you think John Mulaney is? What? John Mulaney. Yeah. It was him young. No. That would be really I young. swear to God. I swear to God it was John Did you Mulaney. look it up? No, I didn't look it up. Well, I, well, I this will be it. Corey is going to fact check this live. I'm going to vamp for a second so we can get an immediate confirmation on this. Look. Oh, wait. We can't. John Mulaney and Austin Powers. That's that's somebody playing Andy Warhol, Corey. Well, maybe it is John Mulaney playing Andy I Warhol. I looked up John Mulaney and Austin Powers, and immediately the scene I was talking about comes up. This is the exact scene I was talking about. He sits down next to him, and it's literally just him sitting there for a look second. Up how, look up how old John Mulaney is really quick. John Mulaney is not young. Wait, t- wait, wait, and he's much movie. too old to be acting like a cartoon character then if he's even what, older what? than I thought. Zach is not a big John he's Mulaney. He's 40 years old. Yeah. This movie came out in 1997, so that would make him. He was 20 something when this came out. No, this would that would make him 17. Even then, he was. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I, Maybe it is. Maybe I mean, look at that. It does look like him. That doesn't oh. look like a 17 year old to me. Um, but either way, just uh, looking it up on we'll IM, never know. Uh, IMDb. It's Mark Bring Bringleson. Who? <laughs> not not John Mulaney, but I do see the resemblance. I do. I just. And I had a feeling he might close, be but no cigar, but a little young for that. Um, okay, so we meet we meet Scotty. You Evil. can't tell me that didn't look like John Mulaney. No, oh, I can't. It did. It did. I just it did, did look the like it looked in my exactly. head. And I was thinking, There's no way. This is the guy that John Mulaney I, got big as a writer. For I SML. guarantee you, I this is the most any podcast has did, ever talked about the Andy he, Warhol extra in he, Austin Powers. He didn't have a line. He was in it for a second. It would have been easy for him to be just anyone. Yeah, I don't know. And for me, it was, he was no. He looked like him. I thought it was him. It was just I, the I know, age he, thing. It was just the age he's, thing. He's saying like, "Oh, he got big." I'm not saying he got big off this. Obviously, you didn't even get like I, you didn't even know the the scene I was talking about because it was a blink and you'll miss it. Austin literally sat next to him. I did. I must for, have blinked. Uh, but I missed it. Austin literally sat next to him for a second. That's all it was. It was well, a second. Getting older, I actually realized that that was Andy Warhol in the scene where he's like doing like that expressionist like right. woman's laying on the ground and he's like sitting there like yeah, it's got that doing. awesome that awesome song like incense and whatever incense and time or whatever that yeah. 60 psychedelic song is i love that you know, but there's then, a bunch of people yeah. online that also think that it was john mulaney so i don't feel no you know bad. you're vindicated no okay. no that was to, to add to what zach said we meet scott evil and then there's the group scene right let's just talk about both group scenes now just so we don't have to go backtrack we got carrie fisher Terry Fisher is Oopsie. the therapist. Yeah, Wait, Princess Leia. Oh, yeah. she was. Yeah, yeah. I must have missed she was that. Blonde. She was. I think she was blonde. Right? She she that. had like a shorter haircut, and she was a. I think she dyed her hair blonde. Yeah. Yeah, it was an uncredited cameo, I believe, according oh. to Wikipedia at least. But yeah, no, that was her. I was also. I'm gonna own up to it. I didn't realize it was her until this most recent watch either. What if it was? What if it was the lady from uh, Scream Four? No, it was her. I looked it up. Or Scream Three. Scream Three. Scream Three. Yeah. What if it was the lady from Scream Three? 
yeah. <laughs> Deep cut reference that we will be diving into when we get to Scream 3. I you were talking about Billy's mom from the end of Scream 2. I was like, what? Odd. I didn't even say Scream 2. One short, you did start with Scream 2. I said Scream 4. Oh, uh, Scream 4? Yeah, and then I said oh, Scream wow. 3. And L- Billy's mom was played by Lori Metcalf. Right here in the middle of the we just call yeah. Audible and just start Scream. Okay, yeah. but uh, right. yeah, back to the, the group scene's just great because you finally get this like deep dive into Dr. Evil's past. Where he explains his life being in like the Belgian. The details country. of my life are inconsequential, really. Yeah, and like it's, I can't even remember them because they're all so absurd that it's his just. His father would make outlandish claims, like he invented the question mark, and he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy. <laughs> to the question mark. My mother was a what was it? My mother was a fifteen-year-old French prostitute named Chloe with one leg and webbed feet, or something like that. <laughs> it's absurd. <laughs> Yeah. Um, That's so dumb. And then he tries to... uh, Who's going to take over the world after I die? It feels like that to some of us, doesn't it? And this is also a moment where he admits he's, like, tried to kill Scott on multiple occasions. Yeah, no, I have tried to kill him. He's actually quite wily, like his old man. (laughs) You know, but no, I like that she goes, you know, we might say we want to kill each other, but we don't mean it. But, like, as she's saying that, the other, like, dads and sons are, like, looking at each other like, oh, yeah, Yeah. we don't. (laughs) Sometimes we do, you know. It's like such a the extras in that scene actually do a really good job. Like they're um, crying father yeah. and son hugging. I love you, Dad. <laughs> yeah, that's just such a. For I mean, those scenes have nothing to do with anything. They're just put in there because they're funny. And I, I honestly, it's I character respect building. That. I respect that. Yeah, no, it does develop Doctor Evil's character and his relationship with his son, who he had never met. I like when they meet for the first time. He's he's like crying out of nowhere when he's trying to hug him. And like Scott, who's come, come, who, come, he's got tears. I mean, down Seth face. Green, who's in one of his earlier roles, I think, like can't hardly wait. Yeah. It's like his big break at the time. And so I, I guess she's been uh, raised by. He's been raised by Frau. Frau Farbithana. Yeah. <laughs> we find out more about that relationship in the second one. But um, what a great name, Frau Farbithana. What a is. great alliteration. No, she's really good there. too. Uh, um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Corey, really quick question. Do you know Seth Green? You yeah, know, Seth know. Green, what his famous voice role is? Um, famous voice role? I I mean, he might have more than one, but he's got one that's definitely his most famous one. It's Chris. Yeah, it's Chris, Chris on Family Guy. Yeah. Right. Oh, I knew that. I thought you were talking about something else. He I does a lot him. of work for uh, Robot Chicken, though, which is that's what I thought you. Were. I thought you were talking guy. about like. Never, never assume I'm talking about robot. No, chicken, not robot chicken, but like he has an entire like animated studio that he kind of works with and does a lot of voices for. So I was like, maybe oh yeah, maybe that's it. Uh, so we have the naked Austin bit where you know Veronica wakes up and she's that's talking really to her mom, <laughs> um, and you know everything. She's eating this breakfast sausage and he even does like the grunts, like oh, like when she takes the bite of it, oh. you know, <laughs> like, the little shake, the little yeah. shake and shimmy he does. You know, this is another bit that comes back later, um, but. Yeah, that's I, I a really like good one. What, what I kind of wish is I that like it better the second time. she goes, yeah, no. Sure <laughs> yeah. Um, Veronica goes, oh, do you want do you want to talk to him, mommy, or whatever? And she goes, no, it's been too long. But I, I actually would have, I feel like I would have wanted to see Austin talk to, because that besides like Basil and Dr. Evil, I, I want to see him talk to someone that he clearly cared about. You know, thirty year after he's been gone for thirty years. You know, I feel like that's one missed that, opportunity. That would have been movie. interesting. Not, I wouldn't want it to be funny either. I would like to, that's a missed opportunity to have a scene, a serious scene like, uh, not you know, like like the one he kind of has with Vanessa later. Later, when he goes, 
the only one who loved your mom more than your dad was me or whatever. Um, or the only person who almost loved her as much as your dad was me or whatever the line yeah. is. Something yeah. like that. Um, who could so, have loved your dad as much as me. Loved your dad as much who, who <laughs> yeah, could have loved your mother yeah. as much as your father. The only one who could have You'd loved your dad as much as me is your I, mom. <laughs> I fucked up, <laughs> right. Mr. Kensington. You know how Mr. Kensington feels about you saying that. Oh, uh, uh, he, he, he he fucked up. We'll cut that. Um, we'll cut that out. We'll yeah, cut we that. have a coal. We have a coal day since coal fucked up chart that we have to update sometimes, but um, I don't know. We'll bring that one to arbitration. Maybe that wasn't a full worthy fuck up. We'll see. Um, we might keep your streak going. Um, so Austin takes Vanessa out for a night on the town. Um, you know, I guess she falls for him cause they, he got Burt Bacharach to play on a, I mean, it looks really cool. I mean, they, they're like, you know, driving through Vegas and then we get a little Burt green screen thing where they're like, you no know, dancing in Vegas or whatever. Oh, yeah. Burt Bacharach who will appear later in the later two films playing the same song. The entire entire bit of Burt Bacharach. I don't even think I registered that that was the same guy. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, I'd fall for Austin if he got me that thing. Eating dinner on a moving bus down Las Vegas, you know, that looks pretty nice. I like how her mom was just like, yeah, back then you didn't have to have nice teeth to be a sex symbol like Austin. God, (laughs) bring me back. (laughs) You know, that would be great. You know, Austin takes Vanessa out for the night on the town. Austin does recon at a lot of vaginas penthouse after. We already talked about the scene. I skipped that scene because we kind of talked about it where he doesn't sleep with Vanessa. Um, But, yeah, she fell in love with him after one night in Vegas. Um, And he goes to a lot of vaginas penthouse. Uh, On a mission. On a mission. Yeah. It wasn't just. She slips into something more comfortable and he, you know, he's watching her silhouette and, you know, Mike Myers (laughs) just completely selling it with like, just like. (laughs) You know, like yeah. stuff like that. That was really good. You know, he's doing and doing well. He he sees the the book that says big underground drills or whatever, and it's like my favorite. This thing. Like, so your boss works with big underground drills. She's like, how did you know that? He's like, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> you just told me. <laughs> and he's like so so satisfied with himself <laughs> for that one. Yeah, he sleeps with a lot of vagina. I would like to say, bring up this is uh the scene where they're in the hot tub. You know, after he does his haiku about the fart that he did or whatever. And then he's got his great joke about how, you know, she's like in Japan, women could, or men come first, women come second. And they go, sometimes not at all. That's another banging <laughs> joke. Another <laughs> it's another great joke. Um, you know, when they're in the hot tub, though, you know, and she's like, let's make love or make love to me or whatever. Uh, I remember watching this movie on VHS um, at my grandma's house. And, you know, it's that age, it's tale as old as time of you watching a movie that's really not that inappropriate. But your parents or grandparents or guardian will find a way to walk in at, at the, the worst, time. worst time. Yeah. And I remember my grandma walking down the stairs and kind of hearing that line and walking back up. Because um, <laughs> she didn't want to have to deal with her seven-year-old grandson watching it or however old I was. It was around that age. Um, but I brought it over because she, she damn well didn't own that movie. So I brought it over to watch it while she was babysitting me. Um, and she kind of let me do whatever I did in the basement. Um, wow. But yeah, that was an, I, I, you know, this is one of those moments what where even cool as a grandma. seven-year-old, I was like, oh, oh man, <laughs> like, that was awkward. That was almost awkward, you know? Oh my gosh. Uh, you remember stuff like that. I I had, well, no, because because it was scary. Okay, but um, I mean, that leads into the next scene, which is just really funny because it's Austin finally hitting this wall with like the time difference that yes. he's been in, yeah. which it. It ends up being Basil so... Basil kind of rats him out. Basil kind of narks on him to Vanessa. 
Yeah, Basil um, pulls some exposition and uh, lets well, Vanessa know what happened the night before. Well, so just true. that he was at a lot of Vagina's apartment. <laughs> Basil exposition. That is the funniest name. Um, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, and she kind of like, yeah, Veronica gives Austin a look and he's like, what, what? Vanessa. You know, like, or, yeah, I shagged her. Oh, yeah, we get, well, he says that later. But this, between there and then, that's when he hits Basil's mom. I think and he goes, she was beaten with an ugly stick or whatever, if that's a woman. Did, and, like, she ha- does look oh, no, rather mannish, too. Yeah, I, I think it's a funny line. It works for me because of the, like, also, that's my mother or whatever. And he goes, it's a, you know, she was beaten with an ugly stick, if that's a woman or whatever. <laughs> it's kind of the only, like, really mean spirited joke in the movie. But I'll allow it because the beaten with an ugly stick line is, is too funny. I wonder what the point of that was. Well, just to show I that just, he's uh, it's just, not always he's not always as right as he assumes. Always falling apart. You know, he needs to, he, he we need to bring our hero down a few points. And it's kind of like I mentioned before because this also leads into the little montage he has where mm. he's uh, where he's got to learn, you know. Where he's learning like, yeah, I'm not the man anymore like this scene where he does the peace sign to the random guy in Vegas. And the entire table starts making fun of him. Oh yeah, and it's it's really sad because he (laughs) he genuinely like his whole thing is like free love, free spirit. Like I love everybody. He means so well, and they're just tearing him down. In in this like, I'd be his friend. God, I want to be his friend so bad. He'd be a bit much to be a friend of. (laughs) No, I think he'd be a really good friend, and I feel like he would really he would really look out for me and help me get on his level. We'll address that when we wa- talk about the opening scene from The Spy Who Shagged Me and oh see if Zach God. wants to be his friend to after that. I cannot wait to dive into the opening of Spy Who Shagged Me. I cannot wait to dive into that. But, um, I mean, of course, from there we go to Dr. Evil. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got, he's got his... Uh, Oh, yeah, we skipped the part where he talks about his plans or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're all outdated. You know, what they call this... With this laser, quote unquote, whatever you know, or is that the second one? This is the first one. No, yeah, the hole in the, the ozone. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, whatever. And then there was the the, the royal family. Um, you know, like we'll we'll have it that make it seem that Prince Charles is having a, an affair and we'll have to get divorced or whatever. And it's like Prince Charles did have an affair. He admitted it, and they are now divorced. <laughs> and, and he's shit. <laughs> You guys gotta throw me a freaking bone here. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean this joke also. That joke was released for a movie and came out three months before Princess Die actually right. died. I in think that this movie. What I, I think now, I I read this from one source. I might have to double check it, but I read that it was released in America in May, but wasn't scheduled to be released in Britain till much later, and it wasn't till after the death, and they cut that joke out for the British release. Oh, which is a good call. Yeah, definitely a good call. Would no. definitely be in poor taste because at the time, William and that was Harry Everyone were really very young, and two young men like seeing a joke about their mother and their father's divorce after their mom died would definitely have not been a good thing. Don't care at yep. all about the royal family. I'm not going to speculate on how she died. But it's not the type of podcast. Let's, um, yeah, I wanted to uh, talk about the UN room. Uh, the UN room. Scene right. And they went, and then he was, when Dr. Evil was like, finally. You're talking about the massively like, offensive UN room that they had? Okay. <laughs> it was actually, it took me a, took me back. So I was <laughs> back the days where <laughs> No, no, no. It took like, I, I was like, 
oh my gosh like what are we doing like i was sitting up like kind of watching and then i had like i like jumped back because i saw everything that was going on I mean, there was someone that had bagpipes and a kilt and i was just like okay at one if you're wearing a kilt and like that's your fine that's your what thing. did they why did they bring a bagpipes to the un for besides to just i understand he was committing to the bit he was committing he was committing to the there was there was a lot of bits that people yeah, were committing to i guess this movie's full of them yeah you know but this way as far as movies from the 90s and 80s and it, with jokes that might not age well, I think this movie holds up pretty well in that regard. There's really not much that's like, ooh, you know? Yeah. If that's our biggest concern is that, you know, we got some kind of characters that I have no lines for on about screen it. for a second, you know? Like, we're, we're probably doing fine with this movie. And a matador. There was a matador in there. I wrote that one down, too. <laughs> oh, my like, God. The guy <laughs> Like a Corey uh, clearly was fascinated by the. Well, I wrote it down because I was just I was writing down who I saw because I was like, what? Who puts the? Like, it was just like yeah. we gotta put all of these people in this movie. So um, uh, they uh, they end up at Virchicon, uh, whatever, and uh, that's where they you know they end up going into the or that's where he you know says you know a lot of vaginas the village bicycle everyone's had a ride whatever they're over it. That's like while they're in the fights they're like it's towards the end right. No, that's when they're on the. They're on the. They're on their little tour. They're on the and, cart, and, and, and Austin is dressed up in. Um, yeah, that oddly reminiscent. Of, oddly reminiscent of a future role this, he would have, right, Cole? The the love guru, isn't oh, that kind of what it reminds you? At this you point, they had. Didn't they escape at this point? Uh, they escaped. They, well, no, they hadn't been captured yet. Oh, I thought they had been captured. There's but, no. There's another line later where he said he kind of go cycles back. Because I, I thought it was like. When she went up the ladder and they like separated, went their separate ways. It's winning. It's, it's about winning her back. Like, when she goes, when she goes, you you don't think she's prettier than me or whatever? And it's like I in that moment, it's like there's not a, a. I doubt there was a person on the planet in 1997 who was prettier than Elizabeth Hurley. I really doubt it. You know, there's no fucking way. Who? Elizabeth Hurley. No. no. Oh my God. No. Vanessa. No, no, no. Vanessa. 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 I didn't know. We just throwing names at me. I don't know these names. I'm not looking them up. So. <clears throat> They uh, they go they 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 uh, take the two henchmen costumes. They get into the main layer or whatever. They ended up on a steamroller, and one of the one of the better bits in the movie is the henchman yelling them to Michael, stop. Who is played by Michael watch out. McDonald? Oh, Austin, watch out! Michael McDonald, <laughs> who's a sitcom <laughs> bit player. You know He's what like... film he was in recently, Cole? One of my least favorite films of uh twenty twenty one. Played a character named Little John. In Halloween Kills. Oh my God, I forgot about he that. He was Little John McDonald, to uh, yeah. Big John, and they were. Um, I didn't mind that, but either way, the movie sucked. Either way, moving on. Their um, their part was actually kind of interesting because it's this whole like idea that these two people don't know what's going on. They're well, they know in, whose house they know. They, they know. Yeah, whose but house they are. didn't know like the situation with Michael. At the time. Oh, God. I cannot fucking wait for when we finally do all 11 Halloween movies oh or whatever. Gosh. 12 Halloween movies. Okay, but... Uh, let, let's, let's finish up the summary right. of this movie. We gotta, uh, yeah. So they get captured. They get put in their quasi-futuristic clothing, um, as Dr. Evil puts. Or, in her go-go boots. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, Scott Scott comes in. Uh, you know, Scott, Daddy wants you to meet his nemesis, uh, Austin Powers. It's like, all right, I'll go grab my gun. Let's shoot him right now. We get bonds, and then Doctor yeah, Scotty, you just you just you, you don't, don't get it. Yeah, you don't. You know, gotta put them in a room, zip it. close the door. Zip it. Yeah, you have the zip it, zip, zip it good. It. You have all that stuff. Uh, they put them in the. 
Uh, you'll notice that the sharks have lasers on their heads. Every every uh, every animal deserves a warm meal. It's like, and then he gets the whisper in the ear. It's like, couldn't get the sharks with lasers. It wasn't like animal rights people started yeah, they were, complaining. No, they were like endangered or something. <laughs> <laughs> the sharks are endangered that he wanted. Yeah, so they get uh, what? What do we have? We have sea bass. Ill-tempered. <laughs> Ill-tempered. Are they ill-tempered? Oh, very. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. They're very, very ill-tempered. Actually, yeah. <laughs> they put that guy's head yeah, in the water, no, they're, and, they're it's, mad. and it's immediately they're you. mad. I would be mad too if I was a sea bass. To be honest with you, I like how she brings out the floss to use, but then he's like, "I get it, baby. I'm yeah, good. Stop. It's a good play on like how like <laughs> gadgets get introduced early in James Bond movie, and then they come in clutch later." And she introduced him a dental tool yeah. for his teeth, and that's what comes in handy. Is this is this like a balm or something? Like, he was asking yeah. at first, and she was like, no, this is, no, it's just, this is just, just, just a toothbrush. Like, you know, this. Yeah, let me guess. This does blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no, it's that's good shit. You know, and, uh, you know also, it has the, the line that we skipped over as part of our opening little theme with the, you know, he asked for one simple thing, with sharks with freaking lasers on their heads. You know, but his, psychop- his cycloptic colleague tells him that can't be done. Um, so moving on, they escape. Um, you know, we get the head puns when the guy loses his head. You know, he'll never be the head of a major corporation. You know, it's not a way to get ahead in life, all those. Oh, yeah. Love a good pun. Love a good pun. And those then, are executed well. And then you have the uh, sequence with uh, Austin finally confronting Dr. Evil before he escapes again. And then number two comes in and finally has this big emotional breakdown and breakdown. That's actually the part I don't love. <laughs> like, the, I'm tired of you pushing me. That part didn't land for me. It doesn't land, but it's just funny that he comes in and does it at that point where he, you don't really see him get pushed around throughout this movie. You, Because Dr. Evil's been gone for what, like 30 years? Mm-hmm. And he's still that upset about it type thing. That's why I think it's it's kind of funny, but it leads to Dr. Evil going back into space once again. Right. Right. Well, that, we, skipped, we skipped ahead a bit because we skipped my favorite scene in the movie. The fembots. The fembot dancing, I think, is, I think, besides, with maybe the possible exception of the opening scene where we introduced to Austin... I think this might be my favorite scene in the movie with the the fem robots. It's really go, him going back to his roots. You can't resist. You can't resist us, Mr. Powers. You can't resist us, Mr. Powers. And then you know, oh, contraire, it's you who can't resist me. You know, it's him. It's the cool factor we were talking about earlier. And he this time he literally uses it as a weapon. Of yeah. How <laughs> to of just, how sexual to and make him how sexy make him he is. How horny he makes them, you know, the robots. The robots can't handle it. He lights <laughs> up all the like I think it's like seven cigarettes in his mouth and, and flips them at them. Yeah. I like how he's like naked in that scene too. Yeah, he starts stripping <laughs> down, you know. And then Vanessa comes in and he's just like, It's not what it looks like. This like, is like, like right his, after uh, he yeah, promises. I like his everything. his ways to try to avoid getting a boner is like Baseball, cold showers, baseball, <laughs> cold showers. <laughs> and so uh, what I want to ask you guys about that scene is can you guys think of a uh, another dance scene in a non-musical you know, movie that stands out to you guys that you guys think is really – I had one that popped in my head immediately. I don't even know if I'd consider that a dance scene. He's not well, really, he's dancing. I, you know, there's a song and he's dancing I think and he's thrusting. Two, but I don't think there was – I love the it was, song it wasn't, too. I don't think it was choreographed. I, I touched myself, I, don't, I think, by the divinals or I don't think it like was that. choreographed. No. But so that's know. why I wouldn't consider it really a dance scene if he's just out there just kind of being silly. Because that's what yes. they told him. They were just like, go out there and just kind of like be like try to be funny sexy. Right. Well, I still love the scene. Not okay, I'm not asking you to rank the dance. I'm asking you to rank the scene like the, the impact of the scene, the effectiveness of it. I think it's a really funny scene. Oh yeah, definitely. But I don't know. Uh, yeah. Definitely. 
Cool. Yes. Um, to add to what you said earlier, the because I, I mean, you bring this up two dance sequences, and I mean, Austin has a full dance sequence at the beginning that isn't. It sets the tone of the film, but it's not a musical film. There's not a dance. I love that music too. I didn't remark. I love the Austin Powers theme. It was Quincy Jones, who is mother uh, or father of Rashida Rashida Jones. Jones. Okay. That's that's Parks and Rec. Yes, I know. But but anyway, uh, so I think of two very drastically different films with dance sequences at the end. One is staying with comedy. This is the end when they're all dancing to Backstreet's Back in Heaven. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And the other is very drastically different. Best Picture winner, Slubdog Millionaire, when they all dance to Hey Ho and do like the full Bollywood dance number at the end of the film. That's nice. Yeah, I don't remember that movie well enough to remember which scene you're talking about, but I'm sure that was good because that movie is really fucking good from what I recall. Um, The one I thought of was Ex Machina um, when Oscar Isaac... Oh, I'm tearing, okay. tearing this okay. fucking dance floor up. Okay, know? I'll give you, I'll give you that. Those are the ex- like very similar kind of dance yeah. scenes. I'll give you. Well, that, that was very choreographed because he's literally it's clearly but it, it, but choreographed the same, same, with his robot. I understand, but it's like it's like the vibe is like very similar. So I'll yeah, give you that. It's, I, yeah, it's funny. You know, the other I was gonna say is Pulp Fiction. That's not a, that's a different vibe, but I do like that. Yeah, scene. that's a very different vibe. Yeah. Um. um so. Yeah, I mean, we got the abort mission thing where he, he, you know, he saves the day. He stops the thing from getting to the center of the Earth's core, erupting all volcanoes in the world. I love that plot, by the way. I love that villain plot to a good one. send a nuke to the Earth's core and blow up all the volcanoes. It's <laughs> a good one. You know, I mean, he expects them to die. He's just going to blow them up anyway, even if they paid him. Um, I love that we see, you know, like, you know, like they have this in movies all the time, just the automated, like, like 10 minutes till detonation voice. And then we they just throw in the guy who's actually just reading it on a mic next to them, like, Five, four, oh, yeah. and then like once he aborts it, you just hear the guy going abort, <laughs> abort, and like so the guy like is just like it's not even a computer, it's just no, a it's guy, just guy reading. I mean, yeah. and the guy he goes from this like clean looking person at the beginning of this sequence where he's doing the countdown to where after all the fighting's happened, he's like been there this entire mm-hmm. time and he kind of looks like disheveled he and he's got blew up like, with the rest of them Every, that, that layer blew up at the end yeah yeah so everyone escapes the layer blows up austin and veronica go on or vanessa i keep saying veronica yeah uh austin and vanessa go on their honeymoon you wrote down veronica i know that's probably why i've been saying veronica i don't know i was doing this while i was at work today i was a bit distracted i was probably doing this while i was ringing up a customer for a fucking funko pop um so uh random task shows up on their honeymoon uh, after we get the repeat of the gag earlier yeah. with her, with us not seeing her boobs or whatever, those were even funnier because like we have like melons yeah. that she's holding, <laughs> we have literally a drawing of boobs. Yeah, I'm like shout out my brother. That's the one the line my brother says the most is just like the way he goes. Who sent us this drawing? And then he'll go, it's bizarre. Or whatever. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> she's just holding it. And I think what also makes that scene a lot funnier is yeah, she was talking with Mimi Rogers in the first. Basil's on FaceTime. Yeah. They have Basil on FaceTime this yeah, entire time. intelligence moment. has that technology. Cool. He, he, no, but his, like, but the way he sets up the camera, it's right, Austin. It's they don't covering see the camera. Austin. They're very, no, she's, think... she's adopted his free love uh, personality. Yeah, personality. I don't think they care. You know, random task, show, yeah, and the milk, the cream with the milk is the, the most ridiculous one. Like, oh, yes, please, or whatever. We just see the milk pouring out. It's insane. Uh, so we have random task, you know, he shows up, hits him with the shoe, 
They end up beating him with uh, the penis pump. I call it Chekhov's penis pump because we introduced it earlier in the movie and it finally becomes relevant. Chekhov's gun. You can't yeah. show a penis pump without using it. Right, exactly. If you show a penis pump in the first act, it has to go off in the second act. That's, yeah. a, that's what they teach us in film school. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, they get away, they look up, they see Dr. Evil and Mr. Bigglesworth are, you know, in space and uh, it's freaking freezing up there, you know. And that's, uh, that's it. That's Austin Powers. Um, that's uh, It's a pretty... Uh, it, it doesn't... I think it has good pacing. I think it goes through everything that goes... It doesn't waste much time. And if it wastes time, it's like like scenes and therapy with Scott, which I wouldn't even say it's wasting because it's A, it's funny. B, it does kind of, you know, give you background on, on Dr. Evil and then, you know, it enhances the relationship with his son. So there, there are bits that don't land, but most of the bits do. Yeah, absolutely. The entire film is a list of bits that Mike Myers put together to kind of create this story and... Most of them do land. Some of them don't, but hey, yeah. it's all funny. <laughs> do you guys want to move on to the next section? Yeah. Called award season. Apparently they straight off course, and we're fairly certain they're in guerrilla hands. So why don't you use the regular army? What do you need us for? Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. All right, so in award season, that's where each of us names our MVP of the movie. Again, kind of like our little practice episode that we did, I will be surprised if we have different answers on this. I, I'm sure we'll have a different answer. Oh, wow. <laughs> Cannot wait to hear it then. I really um, don't think I will. I guess I'll I start guess then. I'll start then and get it out of the way. Mike Myers is the MVP. You guys have to be more creative with your MVP. I'm being honest. He's no, the like, most valuable person to the movie. Oh he is Dr. Evil. And, okay. and uh, okay. you know, well, it will be more okay. interesting question when we get to other movies, you know. But for ones like this where a guy literally came up with the character, wrote it, and plays the two biggest characters in the movie, he is the most valuable person. We've already talked about him a shit ton, so I'm not going to go on more. But uh, Mike Myers as Austin Powers and Dr. Evil, to create two iconic characters like that, one movie, uh, and execute them both you know, on screen with like elite comedic timing uh, can't be understated. This movie, is, he's definitely the most valuable person in my eyes. How many honorable mentions do you have this No, episode? I just have one, and I think my MVP, <laughs> I gave one honorable mention in our practice. Yeah, right? but you also had a tie two, for two yeah, MVPs. Yeah, two MVPs. So you said three people I think overall, the MVP of this film, and it can't even be, the cameos. The cameos are just great. Mul- multiple persons? Multiple most valuable persons? Wow. How many cameos so once again, once again we, how many we have Gary Fisher, have? we have Tom Arnold, we have... Will uh, Ferrell. That was technically Will Ferrell. That's not really a cameo. That was a cameo. He's not famous. He's not famous. It's Will literally Ferrell? it's just a it, small role for a guy. Well, but I get what te- you're saying. It's technically Will Ferrell wasn't famous in 1997. 1997? No. no, no. This was like one was, of his, this might be the first on, movie he was. In. I thought he was on SNL. Yeah, he was time. an SNL cast member. So I think at that point it's a. I think. Uh, no. Either I, way, I, we're, I we're playing I it doesn't matter. I disagree. But yeah, the he cameos, is really funny. He's got a funnier bit in the second one, in my opinion. But, John Delaney in the club. A lot of these, <laughs> a lot of these bits don't work without these cameos. I think they do because a lot of my the bit. I feel like those aren't my favorite bits are the bits with the cameos. Like the Ima- Tom Arnold bit is not. Really imagine my the, the imagine the scream scene without Michael McDonald. I feel like anyone can yell stop. Yeah, but it's it's that just was so just, incidental. That the was funny just part is not the guy just yelling stop. The funny part is Austin just the yeah. guy not getting out of the way to begin with. Anyone could have stood. Get stood out in of front the of way, oh, Austin! Right. Watch out. Uh, my star of the movie. Um, I actually do have two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go fuck yourself, Corey. <laughs> but 
So mine is the British flag car and then the very, very small handgun. <laughs> it's because every single time I saw him, I kept laughing. And then the British His car, face when she pulls out the bigger yeah. gun and he's got his small he's, gun. He's like petting his when he yeah. takes it out. He kind of like <laughs> strokes it for a second. I, those two things made the movie for me. I really enjoyed the, watching that. Yeah. Like anytime the British car was on screen and anytime there was the small handguns, I was just like, this is great. This is a great movie. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, done with MVPs. Moving on to our next section called uh, The Reviews. It says that they insist on outside opinions. What kind of opinions? Well, your kind, not to put too fine a point on it. I mean, let's face it, in your particular field, you're the top minds. All right, so in the reviews, we do a couple things. Uh, but the first thing we do is we give our, we give our final thoughts and star rating. Um, so I'll, I'll go first. Uh, I'm going to give Austin Powers, uh, International Man of Mystery, uh, a four out of five. Um, I am a big fucking fan of this movie, always have been. You know, maybe a bit of it is, it's like, you know, sprinkle of nostalgia on top of that. But I, I really think I would, even if I saw this movie today, I don't think I would think much less of it at all, if at all. Um, Austin Powers is a type of comedy that's trying to make you laugh nonstop. There's like a, more than a joke per minute. They really don't let off the gas on that stuff, but it doesn't get too mean-spirited either. Uh, there's really not many jokes that are specifically at other people's expense. Like I said, there was the ugly stick one, but I even give that a pass because the ugly stick line in general is pretty funny. Should be good. Um, and then uh, it's it's got a lot of love built into it for the spy movies, like we were saying, and free love culture. You know, Austin doesn't forsake free love culture and all that, all the you know the pleasantries of that stuff. He just realizes that it's that and responsibility. It's a very groovy time or whatever, you know. Um, you know, and then it's it, it, like we were, we've were we been saying the whole time. It's packed with bits front to back. Uh, it treats Veronica's character respectfully. Uh, like I think she's very – she's written very well, whereas a lot of comedies or just movies in general from this time would just have women characters kind of be nothing, you know, you know, just a foil for the male character. Whereas I think she, she actually – you know, she's very capable – she only ends up being like the damsel in distress once, like towards the very end. It's only for a second. Um, and uh, she sticks to her laurels and all that. Um, but, uh, and she's also kind of funny. But uh, every single, not every single bit lands, but that's fine because it tries so many that so many of them do. And then the ones that don't land aren't like embarrassingly bad and they don't linger on them for too long. Uh, you got colorful production design. You get colorful costumes, colorful characters. Everyone, you know, like it's just everything pops to me. You know, the whole the whole vibe design of the movie, it all pops. And I really appreciate that. In and, in a, like, I don't want to say, like, in an era where a lot of movies are kind of just kind of stale. Not not all movies, obviously. But a lot of movies are kind of, like, safe and stale. Not a lot of, you know, personality to them. This movie has a lot of personality. Um, and I really appreciate that. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's moving. And, it's, uh, and for all those reasons, I think it's really distinct and memorable. So, yeah, four out of five for me. Cool. Oh, uh, I'll just go a three and a half, just because, like Zach said, it's really funny. I mean, there's not much I can really dive into that I haven't already talked about. It's really funny. There's a lot of bits for me that I, after a rewatch, I was like, a lot of these don't land like they used to, like the whole princess die joke, the divorce joke, that didn't really land for me. I mean... The whole ozone layer. Dr. Eva's whole plan scene, that didn't really land for me. Oh, I like the Is it because it scares you too much, Cole? <laughs> no. Ozone. So the ozone, <laughs> the ozone layer joke didn't land, but the 
but the poopy Tom Arnold joke. Those <laughs> wow. were really those were hitting your gut pretty good, huh? Bathroom jokes always land, but uh, the the point is like, yeah, there's a lot of scenes that there's quite a few scenes that didn't land, but most of them do. It's really funny. I mean, Austin's a well written character. I liked it. Three and a half. Yeah. Court. Yeah, I think about it like I was thinking about. I, I'm kind of splitting in the middle right here, but I was thinking of 3.75. I'm right there because I think it's right on the verge of a four, but I just I, oh, so th- th- so you're over three and a half. I'm over. I'm right in the middle, of you guys. Right, right. Uh, which is what I said. Um, but right, no, I was just because I was confused because I saw your letterbox review a few days ago where it was just a three. So I know. I like, gave I, it a three on letterbox. I, everyone. I know, but I was thinking like after talking about it, like I keep laughing about talking about it, and I enjoy it. What? No, I was just—I like that you said after talking about it, which is what I said a while ago when we were debating when to do our ratings, and I was like, I feel like we should do our ratings at the end because mm-hmm. then we can let the discussion kind of form our ratings or whatever. Oh, well, yeah. I don't know. Zach well, really but, needed uh, yeah, to be right you, there. But you see, like, I, it kind of changed a little bit. But anyway, um, but talking about, like, there are, are lots of little bits that, like, really made it, like, I was like, okay, I maybe I enjoyed that a bit more because I watched it and then, like, the next day I rated it. And I was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was, about, it was about three or something like that. Um but going back, I'd probably change it to move it up a little bit. But yeah, I don't think there's anything I could say that I haven't already said. Right. I I, I, I like it. Yeah. Excited for the next one. I am also excited for the next one, and we're going to talk about it in a section called the post-credit scene. You're still here. It's over. Go home. So yep, yeah, post-credit scene, uh, as you'd figure, might be the shortest one of our sections as we're wrapping it up here. We're just kind of teasing what we got coming next. Um, and what we got coming next is Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. Exactly. Uh, that's the sequel, I believe it came out in 1999. Um, a lot, I, I, there's, I already just knowing that movie. Well, I'm excited about a lot of questions I'm going to have for you guys <laughs> with that movie. I haven't seen that one in a while. I can't remember. I cannot wait. Then maybe we should watch it together. Wouldn't that be fun? Or we should mm. should we just do that with the last one? I, really I like would. I would like to do that much. with Gold Member. Like yeah. finish the series together, type thing. Yeah. All right, so uh, I'm not exactly sure when this episode is going to come out, uh, but is there anything that we want to plug? You know, your social media handles. You know, no, it's you don't want you don't want anyone to find you on social media. We could just um, put it. We could Zach just put it works at Slackers. I don't. I don't you wanna, should go I, visit Zach at Slackers. I don't want to put our social media like, oh, follow me on this and this. We'll just put it out on things. Right. Well, I'm going to tell you guys to follow me on Letterbox. Uh, but we can, we can, we'll, we'll just put that in like the in the uh, yeah. Well, in the we'll do that too. But you know, either way, I'm just Zach Owenstein on Letterbox. It's my name. Um, it's, it's that simple. Uh, and then you know, same thing on Instagram and then Twitter. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess if we got nothing else right now, uh, that 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 might be the end of uh, the episode. Um, so how are you guys feeling at the end of episode one? Episode one of Get a Load of This Movie. Pretty good. Ready to go. Pretty ready, good. Ready for the next one. I liked our practice run better, though. I don't yeah. know why. I didn't even bring it up because I didn't think there was any chance that any of us would do it. There was a bit where, you know, you could hit the alarm if you would stop the franchise right here. Oh. Uh, I didn't think there would be a chance that any of us would, but I still should have probably made, maybe given you guys the option I, in case I was wrong. I don't know the Austin Powers franchise well enough besides this one. I've seen this one a lot, but I don't know, like, the rest of them enough or well enough to be like, I don't, the next ones are bad. So maybe if the yeah. next one's not great, I can't remember. Maybe I'll press it then. I'll be like, I want to. Well, I can. What I'll say now, just as a little hint. Nah, don't don't give me a hint. I want. Okay. <laughs> uh, I will. Yeah. All right. So we'll we'll just uh, we'll wrap it up here then. And uh, so thank you for listening. Uh, you know, turn on uh, you know your 
notifications on whenever you guys get these podcasts at Spotify, Apple Music, wherever, you know, so you know when we get another episode out there. And uh, if you can find a way to give us, like, a rating, I guess there are some things that give you, like, you can, like, give a rating, right, on some of these apps? You can like it. You can like it? Yeah. Whatever good thing you can do, you know, shares, show other people, blah, 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 anything like that, please, please do. We would love that and appreciate you for it. Um, and we appreciate you for listening to even begin with. You made it this far in the episode. Wow. We, we are probably related to one of us since this is episode one. So thank you. And we love you. Um, all right. Uh, well, we don't really have a sign off, so I guess we'll just say, uh, see you later for now. Bye. Bye. Catch you later.